Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Welcome to another edition of BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am Vicky Barcelona, and across from me, and only one person's across from me today, is Joey D. It's a Joey and Vicky episode. Hey, it's like a very special episode. Hooray! It's like when uh, Scooby and Shaggy go off and do their own adventures with Scrappy. Yeah! But, you know, it's just us two <laughs> without the rest snacks. of the gang. No, uh, no BJ Shea today. He is on assignment. He is on assignment, Vicky. But today we will talk about the finale of House of Dragons. You will share some very interesting demon-esque news because you watched a new show. Yes. Yes. Gareth will join us to talk some Marvel rumors and, of course, more. More. But, Vicky, how can the Geek Nationals get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com, because it's going to have our blogs, podcasts, and more. That more. More again. Or just search BJ Shea's Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, and the Odyssey app to find us. Yes. Uh, you did mention I watched a new show, and everyone who's been listening to the podcast for a while knows that I have a thing for... It, it, I have to be careful the way I phrase it because some people are like, oh, you like that? I'm like, no, not... I like adult comedy Animated shows. If I say I like adult animated shows, people are like, oh, I've seen those thumbnails. I'm like, no, that's not what I mean. No, not those thumbnails. No. So, like, The Archers. I was really into Family Guy. It was probably my first ever, like, show I really got into as a middle schooler, high schooler. Um, love, like, Bob's Burgers. I love Crossing Swords, the Harley Quinn. Anything that is, I love cartoons. And if it's filthy and adult humor, I am here for it. So I always try to give all these shows a chance. Like, I did try to watch one called, like, Farzar or whatever on Netflix and I wasn't really feeling it like I watched quite a few of those episodes but it just felt it kind of fell flat for me uh same with uh what was Disenchanted I tried watching the first I watched the first yeah. season and I was like eh eh I Not do love for Fu- Vicky now I did love Futurama that is one of my uh, favorites as well but this one got me into it because it had a couple of things that piqued my interest which was Audrey Plaza okay Danny DeVito. Okay. And demons. Demons. <laughs> it is called Little Demon, and Danny DeVito plays the devil himself. And uh, it's based off a mom played by, I always forget, is it Audrey or Aubrey, but Plaza. Uh, she plays the mom and becomes pregnant with what is the Antichrist and is played by Danny DeVito's daughter. And it is animated, you said. Yes, okay. animated. So they are the Aubrey, voices. Yes. yes. So Chrissy is uh, played by Lucy DeVito, which I think is hilarious. And the cast isn't super huge, like, when you think of big names, except for, like, Danny DeVito and Aubrey Plaza, for the exception of Michael Shannon as the unshaven man. Why is he unshaven? Because <laughs> he does I, I don't know. I believe he is, because, like, they, I think it, if it's the character, I think it is, he's the one that loses a very vital oh. organ in the first episode. <laughs> I see. And, wow, I just found out that Danny DeVito's daughter's 39. Right, and she's four foot eleven. I saw because I saw a picture of them. Like, wait, how tall is she? And she's t- itty bitty, oh, she like me, <laughs> like me. I'm actually taller than her, which is pretty impressive. Nice. Uh, overall, like, I think if they get a second season, I'm definitely gonna watch it. Is it gonna be up there in my highest ranking adult TV shows? Probably not. Like the animated shows, I kind of give it middle of the road. It's filthy. It's ridiculous. If you like Rick and Morty. Like, that level of gruesomeness does happen with the monsters, like, and blood and gore. Uh. And there is nudity in this. 
animated nudity. Uh, it's funny because my favorite character isn't even like one of the main main characters. Her name is Darlene, and she is the neighbor slash friend of the the mom. Reluct- like even though the mom's like, I don't want any friends, but she is a ride or die. Like I want to everybody to watch this show. And that way you could show it to your ride or die person in your life and be like, this is this is what it means to be ride or die. Because like one of the first times she meets her, it's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to go sacrifice this animal in front of you, get naked, and then my body's going to appear to be dead. And I'm going to go into hell to go get my daughter back Whoa. from her dad who didn't know where she was until, you know. She she shed first blood, which so things get wild. Yeah, it gets wild. And she's like, oh, OK, you want me to guard your body? Well, I guess. OK, I got my glass of wine. She's just like, oh, whatever. But that is a true ride or die B, man. Yeah, that's one way to introduce yourself. Introduce yourself to someone. This is an easy show to watch in the sense of it's 30 minutes long. There's 10 episodes. It's shenanigans. And I love that this actor, he's one of those actors. You'll be like, I recognize your face, but you have no idea when I when I say his name, you're not going to know who it is. His name is Eugene Cordero. Nope. His name is Bennigan in the show, but Eugene Cordero has been in everything lately. Most recently, he was in the episode, like in Loki, the show Loki, where oh, yeah. he's like, what's a fish? That guy who says, what's a fish? He's like, how do you not know what a fish is? That is who Eugene Cordero, he was also in an episode of The Mandalorian in the first season. He played a cop, a reoccurring character a couple times in the show Grace and Frankie. And it's one of those, like, he plays such a, like, silly kind of, he's like a lovable dope. In a lot yeah. of these, yeah, yeah. it seems like. So I love that he's kind of getting more screen time. Apparently, he is going to be in, or he's in Star Trek Lower Decks as a voice. Like, so definitely oh. watch out for this guy. I feel like he's going to be a big dude. Oh, yeah, he was in Tacoma FD, if you guys really like the, uh, blinking on the name of the group, but the Super Troopers guys. Oh, yeah, the Broken Lizard guys. Broken Lizard guys, yeah, that was their show that they had going on for a while, but... I, I definitely, if you like anim, adult animated shows and you want to kind of veer off of something that's a little more on the depressive side. <laughs> no! Like uh, the reason why I haven't finished Game of Thrones. I watched one episode. Ah, Game oh, of Thrones. So yes. I had to, mm, this like, it's still gruesome and whatever, but it's a little more lighthearted than Game of Thrones. Oh yeah, I can imagine it is because we did have the finale of Game of Thrones, Vicky, and S went down. That's what I hear. Everyone's losing their minds. But what did you think overall, the ending and the season as a whole, did you like it? Yes, season was great. It's a little weird. Um, I give them credit for doing time jumping okay. <laughs> How about that? Okay. It's not like I hated it. I didn't love it either. I think most people probably reach that middle ground of I understand why you did it, wish you didn't have to do it, but now that we've gotten to the end of the season, the storyline and the setup's there, so it's probably going to be worth it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, this show's just carried by great set design, great great costume design, beautiful writing, horrible writing in the sense of just terrible characters doing terrible things, but at the same time, you kind of feel for them a little bit in each side where you're like, man, you get that Game of Thrones feeling where good people just don't really win, and yeah. so... You have to be a little bit evil, and you get all of that. And in this one, uh, their big uh, question was, will we get the Dance of Dragons beginning now, or will it be the cliffhanger? Okay. Spoiler alert for everyone who's listening. If you haven't seen the last episode, skip to, eh, let's say, five minutes from now. <laughs> uh, you do get a little bit of it. So the the uh, ending scene, uh, there is a dragon rider. He's mm-hmm. riding his dragon. He goes to give a scroll to one of the houses, House Baratheon, to try to get them to ally with the queen who has been usurped from her throne, essentially. It's been stolen from her. 
And uh, she meets one of the other dragons, the biggest dragon. Awesome scene. So the small dragon rides in. You're like, wow, dragons are awesome. This is cool. But then in the shadow, because it's a very stormy area, you see this huge dragon above it. And you're like, oh, man, that is a very small dragon. And that is a very big dragon. And these people are not friends. Yeah. So it falls down the line. Well, guess what? The dragons get into a fight. <laughs> and it's speedy dragon versus strong dragon. Okay. It makes me think of every like boss, uh, like when you play uh, any kind of video game, you got a special move, the speedy move, and then you got to beat the boss who's kind of moving slowly and you're trying to attack him, but he, like every attack only ki- like kills like one XP or whatever. Yep. And these are kids because these are the two kid riders. They're, I don't know. I don't know exactly their age. I'm guessing mm-hmm. between 10 and 15, somewhere around there. But the question is, right, because these kids have essentially been told, don't start a war. You know, we're, they're trying to resolve things, you know, peacefully so that the kingdom doesn't get thrown into just massive total all-out warfare. Mm-hmm. Well, turns out when you shoot a dragon with a fireball, the big evil dragon, the big one gets a little angry. And they've kind of changed the lore a little bit here where the dragon riders don't have full control of their dragons. Like, the dragons are still kind of beasts in the sense that they listen to you. But when you get hit in the face with a big fireball, you piss off the big dragon. I'm picturing, like, in Pokemon, like, they won't listen to you if you don't have enough experience points or whatever. Like, your Pokemon will disobey you kind of vibes. Yep, and so he's trying to tell the big dragon not to fight the little dragon. And what does the big dragon do? He bites the little dragon in half. Oh, my goodness. Kills the kid rider. So the queen loses one of her children. And that sparks the end of the episode where she's now essentially, well, we think, is going to be the beginning of the war, which, I mean, how can it not be at this point, you know? Because the queen wanted to end things, you know, be like, you know what? I They do this whole weird thing with the Song of Fire and Ice, which is uh-huh. the thing they added where they can't start a war because they know there's this, like, uh, what would you call it? like a prophet prophecy of uh, the White Walkers coming? Uh-huh. That wasn't a thing. I don't think in the books that are in any of like the lore. But they added that so that there's kind of this tension between the queen doesn't want to like throw everyone into chaos because they're going to need to fight it later. Well, that was her reason for peace. Now that's gone. Oh. Now we go start a war because you killed my kid. Yeah. That. Mm. Ah, it just, it's, you done effed up, buddy. And I don't want to go into the individual scenes too much because you really should just experience them. They're great. I mean, there's, there's this tension. The kids are fighting. Everyone's trying to be like, oh, we should do this and ally up, and, but we should be good, but we shouldn't start war. And then it's like, we start war. And then that's where they end it. And now we know that the beginning of the next season, the whole season, I have to imagine, is just going to be one gigantic political fight into war, 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 battle, 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 battle. And it's exactly what we were all hoping for. And I give, I mean, I hate to do it, but I give HBO and the new writers credit. They really nailed at least the feeling and the the want of the audience. It's not Game of Thrones season one. You know, it's never, it was never going to be that. It was never going to be that good, you know, because hmm. it's a different show. But I will say, I did not have high hopes for this or high expectations. And it has been better than anything else I've had on TV so far. Okay. Better than Andor. Better than Lord of the Rings, better than any of that stuff. And not, not that all of that's bad or anything, except for Lord of the Rings. But uh, <laughs> it, it was very good. And I would definitely suggest watching it. It is, to what you were saying, yeah, it's dark. It's kind of gruesome. It has a little uh, levity in like maybe the middle couple episodes okay. where they do a, like more night contests. And like there's still that whole vying for the throne. But once the this, once this second time jump happens, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you'll don't worry. You're not spoiling anything. It comes suddenly, and it's kind of jarring. But once <laughs> you get past that 10 minutes of the episode, it's great. Uh, 
that's when it really gets dark. And that's where you see, oh, man, we're just going to start a war. And But, you know, that's what the whole series is about. It's a prequel. And we know the prequel is called The Dance of Dragons, a.k.a. What happened to all of those dragons that the Targaryens had that died? Well, we're going to find out this next season. <laughs> so that was awesome. Highly okay. recommend it. Um, but moving along from HBO's thriller to some Marvel rumor news that I am very excited about. Okay. And I hope comes true. Gareth Vaughn von Kallenbach from Skewed and Review joins us to give us an update about possible castings in the Marvel Universe. Oh. With us today is Gareth Vaughn Kallenbach from Skewed and Reviewed. That is SKNR.net. Gareth, it's been about a week. We've entered November. How has Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 been doing? Well, they've actually knocked it out of the ballpark. Uh, word is that in three days they did over $800 million in sales which is, uh, according to Activision, the best-selling franchise title in history uh, by hitting that number that quickly. That's crazy. $800 million? Absolutely. I mean, that's not saying it's the best-selling. It's saying it is the fastest to hit that number in that many days. And it's so funny because you get all those people that oh, it's the same thing, or I didn't like the last one, and I don't, I don't, I don't like what's going on behind the scenes. And the funny thing about it is, if you look at the history of the Call of Duty franchises, there have been plenty of titles, but the ones that have Black Ops and Modern Warfare in the title tend to do really well, and Modern Warfare has been it. Because by my math, I believe this is the fifth Modern Warfare game, because they rebooted the uh, series after the first three, and that's it. People see Modern Warfare, and you get a lot of... uh, I think you get a lot of casual fans. You might have people that say, like with Vanguard, I don't know if I want to go back to World War II so quickly after Call of Duty World War II. But when they see Modern Warfare, they're just dialed in. You know, I feel like that's very true because when I talk to my friends or in the small group that I'm in, they always say they like the newer versions of like the guns and the, the gameplay and the feel, that, that, that more modern feel, which I guess is why they call it Modern Warfare. Absolutely. And, you know, and the thing is, I what I've found of it so far there's been a huge leap. I've been playing some of the maps multiplayer that I played in the beta. There is a huge leap. I found that while there are obviously always some issues and things missing that get patched in, I found that the weapons are a little more fair in terms of you don't have to literally keep unloading on somebody, but also it's not touch them and they're down. I think, you know, a couple of quick bursts takes people down. Your loadouts are a lot more reasonable. I think you have to kind of, really progress before you can start getting things like thermite and so on and so forth. But the maps themselves have been really interesting. There's this clever one at the border where they have all these piled up cars and it's been very controversial because people, some people love it. Some people don't. I thought it was quite good because you can't just take the middle of the map and use it as a sniper's alley, no man's land. Cause there's all these down cars but then there's access points around the side. So you have to be kind of clever about weaving in and out and that sort of thing. Um, you know, there's one map where you actually can do some swimming in it, uh, getting between various locales. And it's just been so far, uh, you know, mind you, I haven't really gotten too far in the campaign. I've been very impressed with it. It's been very enjoyable. How is the new engine? Because I know they rebuilt it from the ground up, if I, if I remember correctly. Uh, what I'm seeing is a smoother gameplay. Now, admittedly, I, you know, I have a pretty beast of a system, but um, 
it's been smoother. Like I said, the graphics have been good. I haven't seen any of the uh, drops or glitches that some people might have. And it's like I said, even with all these explosions and everything going on around me, it'll still run very smooth. So I've been very impressed with it. Detail level's really nice. That's great news. And this, again, has to survive a while because we know they're not doing the uh, the new game next year. Absolutely. That's, at least that's the plan. That could all change. But everything I've been told is no new title until uh, 24, unless you're counting you know, the new Warzone 2 as the next launch. Well, that's awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear it's doing well. I, I love a good Call of Duty game, and you know, I know the last uh, campaign wasn't as good as people were hoping it was, so it sounds like this one has returned to its uh, former glory. Absolutely. And you know, and the thing about the campaigns is you can only do so much. You get some people that say it's too long, oh, it's too short, it's this, that. The campaign is supposed to be six to ten hours of gameplay just to get you used to some of the weapons, some of the mechanics, give you a little bit of a story, because my attitude is always, Look back at what Black Ops 4 was that had no campaign and was straight-up multiplayer. People did not like that. Now, I had issues with the fact that there were no grenades and you had to, like, earn them, and then they were nerfed in time. But the point is, people realized, you know what? A campaign is an important part of the game. Most definitely, yeah. And I think that's a great way to get people to learn the weapons and stuff. And, I, you know, who doesn't like a good little story? And they have some pretty cool characters in that game. They always do. And that then you know, and the great thing is you can also get a hold of things that you may not actually have in the game. I mean, I'm not big on sniping. I like assault rifles, submachine guns, and explosives. But there's often a sniping level and it's a great way to do it because just in case you have to in multiplayer pick you know, you're out of ammo, pick up a gun, whatever, or you have to hit something, it's nice to at least be able to have a clue about what you're doing. Most definitely, yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm glad to hear the Modern Warfare 2 is doing good. Moving on from Call of Duty, though, I hear you have some uh, PlayStation VR news? Absolutely. So, we got uh, news. Uh, PlayStation VR 2 has finally got a date. It is coming in February of 2023. Uh, as was expected, a lot of people thought early part of 2023, February, was looked at. Uh, but what shocked people was the price tag. Uh the speculation was that it would be three ninety nine to four hundred dollars, somewhere in keeping with what the original one was, somewhat in keeping with what the cost of a PS five console is. It's coming in at five hundred forty nine ninety nine for the base unit, and there is a five hundred ninety nine ninety nine one that comes with a digital version of the Horizon uh, Zero Dawn VR game. Oh and, man! Yeah, now. Here's the funny thing about it. At first, a lot of people were like, oh, my God, that's more than a PS5. I talked to a few people on the tech side of things, and they said it actually is a very reasonable price. And their uh, reason for that is if you look at when PSVR came out, as VR headsets went, it was an affordable price. They said if you look at the fact that all the things this has, including the eye tracking, which is a really big deal, they said it is actually a very reasonably priced unit when you consider what other units uh, that have eye tracking and comparable hardware go for. They're in the seven, eight, nine hundred dollar range and up. So he said, you know, it, it is. It's one of those that you're going to get a sticker shock. But then when you look at it now, a lot of people I've been talking to have kind of been, I want one, but I think I'm going to wait until either a the price goes down or b there are more uh, VR titles for it, but it does seem like a very impressive piece of technology. 
Yeah, I mean, I know Horizon Zero Dawn was a great game and was very well received, so it's smart that they pair it with it, but I do know that they try not to make a profit on those consoles because they know they're going to try to get you with the controllers and all that stuff. Is that kind of the same model where they're trying to lower the price, actually, instead this time? Because it seems like they do have that great technology. It makes you wonder, because the big issue is a lot of people still can't get a PS5 console. Yeah. And so there's the big question about, well, just how many of these units are going to be available at launch and so on and so forth, and they're going to be taking pre-orders for it any time. But um, there was something the other day about Microsoft claiming they apparently lose about $100 and change per console, whereas the speculation is Sony and Nintendo do not lose money on the consoles. But you're right. The uh, rule of thumb has always been you make your money on the games, you make your money on the peripherals. And, you know, I guess the proof will be in the play. I think for me, we know it's going to be a step up from the current VR system. What I want to know is how many titles are we going to get around, say, six weeks after launch, two months after launch. I've already had a couple of games that are currently available for the PS uh, standard VR say, yeah, yeah, we've got a PSVR 2 version coming because that's the very big point. The games that you have for the PSVR are not supposed to work on the PSVR 2 because of the upgrades and all of that, unless the manufacturer decides to patch them or make a version. But they've been very clear up front. Your PSVR games are not going to work on VR 2, but, you know, there's always the wink unless they patch them or release a new version of it. Yeah, I hope they would at least have a, a big enough game selection for you because, man, it would suck to go from the first model to the second model and then have nothing to play. Absolutely. And then, of course, you have that whole issue of you can say, all right, you've got all these titles that you're not playing anymore, but still, like you said, you made an investment and it's a case of do you hold on to your old PSVR 1 to play those or do you you know, sell that and use that to offset the cost of your VR 2 and decisions that's the joy of being a gamer in the tech world yeah that's right only time will tell at least hey, new versions at least do come with some cool features i'm glad to hear that but uh, i heard there's uh, more news in other gaming industries that might include marvel and ea absolutely now this one kind of came out of left field we've been hearing a lot of stuff uh you know about what's going on with various franchises and licenses we've heard about how the uh, guardians of the galaxy and the avengers game didn't sell as well as they had hoped. We've got Midnight Suns coming. People kind of were wondering about that. And then it came out that Marvel and EA have entered an agreement to do at least three titles, and apparently one is well in the works. And EA's attitude is we're kind of using the model that we had with the Star Wars license. Now, again, that is uh, important to remember that they had an exclusive deal with them and there are games coming from other companies. We know Ubisoft's doing one. Uh, you know, various other companies have Star Wars games in the works, but some of them may be a year or two uh, or more away. So, you know, you get the cynics are saying, okay, yeah, that, but they're all going to be horrible, or, uh, well, Jedi Fallen Order wasn't bad, and this one wasn't bad. There's a new Jedi Fallen Order coming. And then you have the other one that likes to talk about the uh, infamous number of microtransactions and, uh, you know, pay-to-win things that EA, loot boxes that EA has been associated with. And the, one of the clever ones I thought uh, I saw was someone said, 
So if you're playing Iron Man, do you have to slip your credit card into the machine in order to get help from Jarvis? <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> and he goes, you know, or if like you're an Avenger and it's, well, you're getting your tail kicked by Thanos. Do you want to call in Captain America? Well, we're going to need your last four digits to your credit card number. <laughs> he's he's nine ninety five an hour. <laughs> exactly, and I'm like, you know, th- those are great jokes. But no, seriously, the proof's going to be in the play, and of course, you know, the question's going to be when are we going to see it? When are we going to get more details? And in the world of old, I would say, well, E three is coming next summer. They're back to live and in person. Uh, you know, the guys who run PAX and Read Pop, they're all involved with it now, so. Hopefully we'll see the people come back. We'll see a big thing. But then you also have to remember EA was doing their own thing. They kind of pulled away from E3 and were doing their own state of play thing. Uh, And then a lot of them have now gone virtual and they do them on their own schedule. So who knows? But the fact is we've got at least three Marvel themed games coming from EA. Wow, that's awesome to hear. I love that Marvel Universe. I've actually been a little addicted to the Marvel Snap game that's got me going. And that's got all the nostalgia of all the old characters from the comic books. And that's always the key, you know, obviously, you know, you'd be naive to think there will not be DLC and add on content. It's the nature of the business. The pro- the trick with that is make sure it's a good game on its own. So if somebody doesn't or can't get these add ons, they still are happy with the final product. Yeah, exactly. You can't be charging them an arm and a leg for the base game. I mean, that can be brutal. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Especially now that a lot of these games are going up to sixty nine ninety nine. Yeah, you know, they try to squeeze every dime out of you. That's the nature of the game, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Everyone wants to get their piece. But, hey, as long as the game is good, it's like you said, the proof is in the play. We'll be, I'll be excited to, to at least find out where they are heading in this direction with Marvel and EA. But before I let you go, Gareth, I heard that you have an interesting rumor involving Giancarlo Esposito. Absolutely. Now, of course, time of year right now, rumors are flying like crazy. I know in a few months we're going to have CinemaCon. We should have some more details. Uh, but we've talked in the past about some of the rumors that were going around with the Fantastic Four as to who's being looked at for Reed Richards, who's being looked at for Dr. Doom. But with the recent announcement of uh, Hugh Jackman coming back and joining Deadpool 3, uh, there's been some talk as to what else is happening in the Marvel world, especially with the franchises that they acquired, uh, reacquired, I should say, with the uh, absorption of Fox. And Kevin Feige apparently recently said it's going to be sooner rather than later when we start finding out how the X-Men are going to be folded into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That being said, the other day, and I want to stress, this is just a rumor right now. It could be nothing more than this person could be on the short list of who they're considering, who they want to talk to. And, of course, we know from there there's got to be interest and they've got to work the business deal. But... The rumor is that they are hot and heavy for Giancarlo to play Professor X. Oh, man. Like to recast the role, essentially, and maybe do a different kind of take? Absolutely. And apparently, uh, you know, it's funny. My wife was mentioning this, and she said, we all got so used to Patrick Stewart's version that even when James McAvoy was playing the younger version, they did have that one where the older version and the younger version were there. Patrick Stewart was still the one they looked at, and he was even in Logan. So there's a... A very definite, this is the Professor X we've had for so long. And she said, I'm wondering if the idea would be to take him and maybe kind of make him in somewhat of the mold of his character in The Boys that you can look at and say, he's a good guy, he's in charge of the X-Men, 
but he's not entirely squeaky clean. There might be a little bit of a um, issue with him where, you know, the line between good and bad is a very gray area. And that'd be interesting because, I mean, if you look at the old X-Men, we had a very clear uh, change. Professor X was always, I'm going to tolerate indifference. We're going to teach them. We're going to learn. We're going to do things the right way. Whereas Magneto was very, they have their chance. Now they got to pay. And I'm wondering if we're going to get a Professor X that is somewhere right in the middle. Oh, man, that's exciting news. I mean, he is such a great actor, and it, I, I kind of see it, honestly, to what you're saying. Like, he's more of a neutral Professor X than that, like, teacher where Magneto was always a leader, and, like, he's almost like a combination. Absolutely, and you can also just imagine, imagine him sitting there and being able to command the entire scene just with an expression and the tone of his voice without having to do all the special effects, but just that implied... He's cool, he's calm, he's dignified, but you know the storm. I mean, it is literally right behind those eyes that if you push him the wrong way, it's going to come out. Yeah, like, oh, man, uh, I like this rumor. I don't know if it's going to be going anything beyond that, but I am excited to hear more news about this. Absolutely. It, it's crazy. I mean, there have been rumors going around that they wanted Daniel Radcliffe to be the new Wolverine, and he's already come out and said, no, I'm not pursuing that. That's not <laughs> happening. Um, but, you know, it, it's funny because we keep hearing this guy's in line for Dr. Doom. This guy's in line for Reed Richards. And we kept hearing Wolverine, but this was the first time that they came out and said, you know, Professor X. And I think that's kind of the way it works in that perhaps you got to get him locked in to get all the others around it. Yeah, nothing uh, makes that easier than you know watching the interest that uh, stu uh, stews around it online and people's excitement for it. Man, that that is an awesome way to to you know really uh, tease what could be a great movie. Absolutely, and it's just you know, and then there, there are all kinds of things. Let's not forget we've got Wakanda Forever coming out. Yep, and I've had some people say, well, there's only a mid credit uh, trailer. There's nothing uh, seen. There's nothing else. And I said, well. Let's not forget Guardians of the Galaxy. They intentionally left out a certain scene from all press screenings. And James Gunn himself on social even wrote to me and said, oh, yeah, uh, you may want to know that there is an additional scene that will be after the credits. We just left it out of all the press screenings because we had to make absolutely sure that it didn't get out. And that was the scene with the Collector and Astro. Yeah. And so, you know, who knows? Who knows? But I think we're getting very close to between uh, Wakanda and I wouldn't expect it for that because I've been told it's a much more serious tone. But perhaps by the time Ant-Man comes around, that might be when we start to see introductions in the bonus trailer, uh, the bonus scenes. Oh, man, there's a lot of big things coming down the pipeline. I am excited. Oh, the rumors always get me going. Gareth, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Again, SKNR.net if you want to grab more stuff. It's skewed and reviewed. Thank you, Gareth, so much. Anytime. Take care. Thank you so much, Gareth. Again, always awesome to hear those juicy rumors. Do you think John Carlo Esposito will be Professor X? I think maybe Magneto. Oh, that would be cool too. I mean, so I'm not to get down too far into this road, but there isn't a lot of there hadn't been a lot of diversity in the comic world for many, many years because it started way back when. And it's not until recently I love that we're getting new characters where their race didn't necessarily 
I don't want to say mattered, but it wasn't an integral part of who they were. You could never change Storm's race to anything else because she's an African queen. Sure. Like she ends up marrying Black Panther like she is from Africa. So you can't really change her race. Um, That being said, like Professor Xavier, his race isn't an integral part of who he is. Magneto, however, is uh, a Jewish man. So like to remove that and get that... um, uh, what's the word? Representation taken away. A lot. So there were some people that were like excited to see Oscar Isaac portray Moon Knight, but Moon Knight was also um, Jewish, and Oscar Isaac isn't. So there was not not controversy, but there was some people pointing out like, well, we don't want to be included in to just remove other people. So that's one of those things. Like I can't see Giancarlo Esposito as anything but a villain. He just plays villains so well. He does. He really does. And uh, if he was a Magneto or anything like that, I mean, it would be. I would love to see it. I mean, I think it's really what does like what does his acting bring to the character, if you will, right? Because right? they have to like take on that that uh, role. And the thing is, with both Xavier and Magneto, they both are very charming. Is not the right word. They're very dignified. They're very um, gravitas. The gravitas, but Magneto, because he has so much more pain and anger behind him, there is more of that. Um, flair, if you will, and grandeur, like, whoa, I'm going to, or pageantry, I should say. He has to be more of a, not like I want to say like a, a corrupt leader, but he has to be more of a leader. Professor X is more of a teacher. Magneto's more of a leader, Yeah, if that makes sense. And the thing is, uh, and I did not really, now going back and re-watching and now kind of like analyzing, and it's been many years and doesn't hold up the third X-Men movie of the yes, OG one. The Last Stand. The Last Stand. You know, not a great movie, but there were bits and pieces of that movie that I love, and I know people hate it on um, Beast and stuff. Oh, I loved Beast. I loved Kelsey Grammer's Beast. But the thing about Magneto is there is a part where I think Pyro says to him, it's like, I could have killed Xavier if you wanted me to. Blah, blah, I could have done it. And he's like, that man's done more for mutant kind than you will ever know or you will ever do. And so that line I love because Magneto and Xavier have always loved each other. Mind you, I'm saying this as somebody whose first intro to comic books and the comic book realm and nerdy realm was X-Men. X-Men was my jam. I still think I'm pretty into it in different capacities. So I'm saying that with that uh, knowledge behind me. So like over 15 years of me just being obsessive on this world but there is a love and respect, but they know they're fighting two opposite ends. Yeah, because they're essentially fighting the war against humanity because humanity it, essentially is racist against mutants. Right, but they're the trying to thing. fight in two different ways. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, no, we need to be friends with them, become allies. We need to teach them. And we need to make it a part of our thing. It's like, it's not a fair thing to do, and that does mirror a lot of stuff that's going on in the world. Now, it's like, you have people saying, like, we shouldn't have to apologize and try to make ourselves more bite-sized and manageable for these people. We need to be accepted for who we are, even if, you know, we have to do that by force. Yep, yep. So that's the whole idea. So, but the th- I was thinking, though, as much as I love seeing him as a villain, I would love to see him try to portray someone like an Xavier. Also because I feel like him with a cape, like the Magneto cape and helmet, would look too much like the, his Star Wars character. I'm blanking on his name oh, right now. Oh, yeah, Moff Gideon. Moff Gideon, yes. yeah. I feel like it would just look too much the same and it would be kind of hard to differentiate. So I could definitely see him. It'd be a better idea to make him Xavier for multiple reasons. But it's like, can he do not mean? (laughs) Yeah, and I hope he would get 
a, a, a real script that would allow him to act because right. the X-Men shows have been a little bit lighter and like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's why Patrick Stewart played it so well. Sir Patrick Stewart. Sir because Patrick. it was more that <laughs> uh, lighter, the, the levity of the whole, oh, he's not really ever going to go to war. It's more fun superhero. And they did fight here and there, but his character was always really nice mm-hmm. where I feel like John John Carlos. Yeah, John Carlos's Professor X would have to be almost darker, but not in a way of like angry darker, but more just like stern darker. Like, hey, we can't do things this way. Yeah, it's like, it's weird because it's like even Patrick Stewart's uh, portrayal. Like he, like it was he wasn't quote unquote nicer, and it wasn't even like funny or anything. It just wasn't not funny. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) I don't. Yeah, it's a it's a weird balance. So I. and I started kind of picturing John Carlos Posito. If you guys have seen The Boys and you've seen his character, especially in the last season, because he had a really good uh, like relationship with Victoria, and like seeing him with like like his quote unquote like what he calls his granddaughter, kind of, and even with Victoria, that relationship, that father daughter relationship, it seems so genuine. But at the same time, because of the characters he has portrayed, and even in the show, he's kind of a not a great guy. Um, it makes you wonder, like, what? What are you gonna? He's like a scorpion. Like, when are you gonna attack? Just you're yeah, waiting exactly. for it. Can you play a role and be believed to be a good guy, a good guy for the whole series yeah. without feeling like he has an underlying motive? Yeah, yeah. And again, that's where that script is gonna come in. It's gonna be so key. But either way, I think if he played, you know, either Magneto or Professor X, it would be just <sighs> amazing. He's. A, I just want to see him in more and more things. He's phenomenal. Ah, oh, well, we'll only have time. To tell us whether or not it will happen or not, Vicky. But until then, we'll have to wait. Yes. And get to, of course, the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. And it's Friday, Vicky. Friday. Not a whole lot of movies coming out this week. I know we got a big one next week. Ooh, and what is that? Next week, we got Black Panther, Wakanda Ooh, Forever. Wakanda I, Forever. I've been seeing so many images and pictures from the red carpet for like the big world premiere, and I'm hearing it's going to be phenomenal. Rihanna had like a really great uh, song. She's written yes. first, like. Um, like original song for this movie, I'm excited to see all the like, uh, like specifically like Aztec Mexican representation. As somebody who is of Mexican descent, because I haven't mentioned that a million times before, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, I just can't wait. It looks like it's gonna be gorgeous. I may we saw Black Panther. I don't think you were with us that particular day. Maybe no, I don't think so. We went to go see Black Panther, the first one, in 40x. Oh, nice. So it was like that moving, like the oh, air yeah. and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you have a theater, I, I'm tempted to go again, but nausea. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it looks gorgeous, and I really can't wait for that. But if you are looking to go to the theaters this week, I will say that uh, I did get a message from one of our loyal listeners, Caesar. What's up, Caesar? What up, Caesar? He was not a fan of Black Adam. <laughs> oh, you know, that seems to be the whole, you really got to shut off your mind to the storyline. It's kind of just a entertaining Fight movie. It's pretty. I think it's ba- it's pretty. Yeah, like basically it. It's still got a ninety percent on the audience score. I'm gonna assume it's because either people really love The Rock, and or it's gonna be like a Fast and the Furious movie. You don't go to a Fast and the Furious movie expecting it to be this grandeur of a script or storyline because it's ridiculous. It's it's a ridiculous movie, and you just go to eat some popcorn and turn your brain off for a little bit. And that was the weird thing. I always would have thought The Rock would play a more uh, good, you know, a lawful good superhero. And Black Adam is like chaotic neutral at best. He he yeah. really likes to kill people. Yeah, I mean, I, I st- you, you haven't seen it yet, right? No. No, so I guess we'll, we'll wait, have to wait and see. 
like will, when we do watch it to kind of give a better opinion? I did get something spoiled for me. So I will say this. If you're a fan of DC, you probably do want to see this movie because there's major hints of what's coming down the line in the pipeline for DC. And you get a little uh, teaser of what that might be. This is kind of what I'm feeling like the DC version of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Like oh, it was yeah. hyped up. You're like, oh, my God, this is going to be so great. And it's basically a movie to get you to the next movies. Exactly. That's the vibe I'm getting. The Doesn't big... mean it wasn't visually cool. It's just, eh. Yeah, exactly. It's the joke <laughs> of the Ant-Man trailer. Hey, wasn't this supposed to be Spider-Man or Doctor Strange? Or, or he's like, thank you, Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay. I read a thing, side note. If you've seen the, uh, and we, I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit at the end of this, uh, with the new Ant-Man and Wasp uh, Quantumania trailer, the, the actor who's like, hey, thank you, Spider-Man. I think allegedly or according to the internet, that was supposed to be Stan Lee's cameo if he was still with us. Oh. Or maybe that was just a get. Uh, um, could have been. Uh, could have yeah. been. So I'm like, oh, that was kind of a cute idea if that was supposed to be him. But going into movies that are out this week, we have something. A lot of these movies I've never heard of. And some of these are getting really well reviewed so far. Ooh, okay. There's one called Something in the Dirt. It is getting 90% so far on the tomato meter, no audience score as of yet. It's got a couple actors. I don't never heard of them before, but the the synopsis is when neighbors John and Levi witness supernatural events in their Los Angeles apartment building, they realize documenting the paranormal could inject some fame and fortune in their wasted lives. Ah, smart move. Always make money off of your problems. Make money, you know, it doesn't matter if you got some aliens or ghosts. It looks like it's going to be one of those trippy movies and those are it's going to be in theaters only at the moment. Another one that is also getting well-reviewed as of right now, it's called Next Exit. And this is an Apple TV one, so you can buy it and watch it there if you do have Apple TV, 96%. And it says when, again, kind of actors I don't really know about. When a research scientist makes national news proving she can track people in the afterlife, Rose sees a way out and Teddy sees his chance to finally make it. These two strangers, both harboring dark secrets race to join the doctor's contentious study and leave this life behind. While Rose is haunted by a ghostly presence that she can't outrun, Teddy is forced to confront his past. As these two misfits humorously quarrel their way through the country, they meet people along the way who force them to reckon with what is really driving them. Okay, so the premise of this movie is you find out you can communicate with the dead and it's a light comedy where they go through the countryside. I guess, Not where just, I was thinking it was it, going. It doesn't say comedy in the genre. It's a sci-fi. It's, I guess, supposed to be more just interesting. I, it's an, it, The only actor I started kind of going down the list, I'm like, the only one I recognize is Karen, uh, Karen Gillan. Okay. Or Jillian. Yeah. Karen Gillan. And she played, like, she's not even, like, one of the main ones on the Rotten Tomatoes. All oh. I know is that it's spooky season. I don't need to be haunted by any ghosts. Oh, I think, uh, oh, this girl, too. I think uh, Rose Mc- McLeaver. I think she was in the iZombie show. I just didn't recognize her without the heavy iZombie makeup. Ah. She's also in this as of right now. But yeah, Well, it's... you know, interesting premise. Not where I thought it was going to go. No, it's, uh, it looks like it could be interesting, but all right. I feel like they sure. could have made some money off of those problems. <laughs> I mean, okay. I mean, it, it, I... Apple TV, if you have it, sure. Uh, if you're into anime, I've been hearing a lot of people excited about this. Uh, One Piece film, Red. Uh, this doesn't really say where to see it. So I'm guessing either probably your Crunchyroll or something That's like that. That's what I would guess. But if you're a huge fan of One Piece, I know this is going to be yours. It's 100% on Tomato Meter. It's only got six reviews. No audience score as of yet. I'm sure people will love it. Uh, it's One Piece. I hear nothing but good things. I think if I were to get back into anime, I definitely would have to check that one out. Doesn't that one have like a thousand jillion episodes? Yeah. So many episodes. Uh, 
I do have a documentary on this list for this week in theaters. It is called Good Night Opie. Opie? Opie? It is 83% on the tomato meter, and it's a documentary about uh, the true story of uh, Opportunity, which was the rover that was sent to Mars for a 90-day mission but ended up surviving for 15 years. Do you remember that rover? Oh, kind of, yeah. So the film follows Opportunities, which is, I think it's Opie? Opportunities. Opportunity. Opportunity's groundbreaking journeys on Mars and the remarkable bond forged between a robot and her humans millions of miles away. Because a lot of people are like, oh, poor little, little, like he's all there by himself. It's interesting how humans will have feelings and like, there's a term for it and I don't remember it. So if you guys do, feel free to send us a message. Like you kind of feel connected or feel feelings like sorry, you feel sorry or sad or happy for inanimate objects. Yeah, didn't Pixar do that movie Wally? Wasn't that the whole thing about that where Wally was like a non-speaking ro- recycling robot right, or but something? But then you have these like oh, like, oh, the, the trash fell on him. But like when I was so a, bad. like the best example I have where I've personally done it was as a kid. I had all these stuffed animals. Like I would put them on my bed, you know, when my would make my bed, and they would just sit there. And I would move them when I'd go to sleep, and then I would feel so bad if one of them was on the floor. I'm like, why is it that? These get to be on my bed still, and this one doesn't. So I would put all of them on my bed and try to sleep comfortably with all these, and it wouldn't really work. But I didn't want any of the stuffed animals to feel bad, even though logically I knew they weren't alive. Oh, but I, I felt bad. I've had arguments with Kevin the Tiger back in the day when I got pissed off at video games. Like, this is your fault, Kevin! <laughs> Kevin! Why can't you play better? Don't look at me like that! Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, being, what, 10, 11? <laughs> right? Uh, I mean, maybe a little older. Who knows? Who knows? But there's a lot of theories for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which we'll probably get to on another on a future episode. I'm excited. I need to do a little more research because I'm like, what do these things mean? And until next time, stay nerdy.